to the Comics Asylum podcast, where we explore the world of comic books, movies, television, and pop culture. My name is Steve Bino, and this week, Marco Rudy talks about his new creator-owned graphic novel, RDW. All right, so welcome to the Asylum. We have superstar artist, illustrator extraordinaire, Marco Rudy. Um, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, not, 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 not that big of a superstar. I'm just guy. <laughs> you're being a bit too modest uh you've done a lot of work for dc marvel uh yeah. boom mm-hmm. so you know you're out there you're out there um, uh, a little bit yes <laughs> so how has 2020 been treating you um <laughs> it's been a bit of a roller coaster because um uh actually i had a um i had a gig that was going to last throughout the year and uh initially when i was offered the gig i was uh, a bit dubious because mostly mostly because i was already focusing on getting rdw um, uh, going but the thing is um at the end of the day it didn't work out the way it was planned it was a very very well paying gig but um i'll say that i was not invested i was there because i wanted to get paid so due to the the COVID situation, uh, the book got canned. I'm like, all right, good. I have now time to fully dedicate myself to this thing. And um, it's funny that I did shop around, not not too much. I did I, I shopped this book, uh, RDW. I shopped it around initially when it was just a concept of 2016, 2017, and uh, it got some attention but no nobody took a bite and i did it one last time just before i tried to go for a kickstarter um early in the year and um st- still again it was kind of i made lots of maybes um and uh i had a, i had a friend that uh, works with kickstarter so i was i was gonna go through his company and uh they needed basically this thing has been cooking up for a while uh so eventually i got encouraged to just push it through myself so that part of it that part of it has has been a relative amount with the campaign successful has been a relative success uh but um the year itself with everything that has been happening as i said it's been a bit of a roller coaster but gladly, at least, that, like even yesterday, I was just thinking about that, that uh, um, the, the campaign is paid for. What essentially I have to do is work uh, within my schedule, which is happening. So that is that train is on the rails and uh, it, it would take it, it would take something spectacular to derail it. So as it is pretty good. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, 2020 yeah. has been a yeah. dumpster fire. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, outside outside of uh, very minor, very minor achievements for me, at least, outside of very minor achievements. Well, the book is not a minor achievement, but it is the achievement. And one or two things where I, I moved away from the big city to the middle of the woods. Um, outside of that, it uh, dumpster fire is is a um, it's kind of there. No, for sure. And you, we'll get back to RDW for a second, but you said yeah. you moved from the city to the woods. Yeah. Uh, I know that you were in Montreal. Yes, yes. Are you, have you now moved uh, out of the city or? Yes, I moved away from the city a couple of hours away from Montreal. I mean, okay. I'm in the, well, in the province still, just, uh, just away from the big city. I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Montreal is one of my... Uh, it's like my second home. I love it quite it's a bit. A beautiful so, city. Yeah. So RDW, mm-hmm. it's about coping. It's about addiction. There's there's like a laundry list of yeah. really heavy kind of themes that you've got going on in it. Can you give us an, an idea of what it's all about? Yeah. Um, uh, I would say the elevator pitch is for everybody that is familiar with uh, the stories of Asterix and Obelix. Um, it is essentially taking that formula and bringing it to the real world, as in a group of warriors that, or a group or a village or whatever, that is 
that has a one-up on their opposition, uh, which is this this potion. Um, but what I did was I tried to bring that to the real world. What would be the equivalent or something that would, the element that would have the equivalent uh, results on people nowadays and that and I found out it would be methamphetamine. And rather than telling just that story, my idea was let's remove the, the super strength, super everything, punching people off, off buildings and whatnot and bring to the human side of it, which is yeah, it's, it's, it's math. It screws you up. So let's tell a story of people that are dealing with the effects of that. And, um, and I'm, like I did, I haven't mentioned this, but I also take a little bit of inspiration from First Blood, which is uh, the, 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 gist of, the gist of First Blood is the, I have, actually I have not read the, the book I just saw, the book or the movie one too many times but the gist is just how expendable the the how do you say this the the weaponry machine makes humans just how how expendable expendable the humans are in the war machine so in this particular case it's these people that have been um, experimenting with this drug uh, and the effects of that on the people, uh, just all of that colored in a fantastical setting. So I will be addressing other other, other themes as the story goes. Uh, uh, still, still focusing on, on that specific point of, of of the expendability of the what the war machine does to people. And the results of that, the the, the emergence of uh, refugees, um, uh, people trying to get back to like 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 I, I'm I'm going on 25 different tangents here. It seems like the book has no focus. It's just this specific book is just the introduction. To the story where this this character is dealing with the immediate after effects of stopping to consume this drug. So, throughout the story, which the plan is is the the, the way I divided the story is if it's not successful enough, it's only five books. But if it's successful successful enough, it's ten. The, throughout the story, we'd be dealing with a specific uh, specific uh, potential loss that this character has, and this is not a spoiler. It's just the the her reason to for being where she is is because she perceives that she lost something through to their responsibility, and uh, in that journey, this character is experimenting different effects of uh, withdrawal. So it's combining this potential five quote unquote five stages of grief with uh, um, this exploration of, of addiction withdrawal in the army uh, with peppering here and there social commentary more and more and more as the, as the books come about. Now, of course, all of that in a situation where yes, we see elves, we see dwarves and we see actually uh, equivalents of dwarves, orcs, and whatnot from Namibian culture, from uh, uh, Brazilian culture, elements that are not your usual folk stories that we normally see in um, traditional fantasy, uh, what we can normally consume in uh, fantasy stories. So it's almost like the ingredients of uh, RDW are quite diverse and, and that's the intention yes yeah and, and you're able to draw on a lot of the rich stories and folklore that exists out there we tend to only kind of see things through uh european yeah, um, yeah. kind of lens when it comes to folklore um whether it's norse mythology greeks yeah. um so that would be a very interesting way to see how you're going to weave that into the narrative mm. 
like um i do take quite a bit of inspiration from like i mean there, there's proven proven books and proven uh, creators that have done this way better than how i think to do my first my first um idea was to do was what uh, andrei sapkowski does in his books from the witcher which he drinks from essentially polish uh folk folklore and peppers in that kind of culture into the story that he's trying to tell and at the same time on a different scale Damon does that with uh i mean insert book here mm. but ten <laughs> does he does he peppers in different types of cultures in pop pop culture into sandman and uh that is kind of uh where i mean you will definitely see references to video games you will definitely definitely see references to songs and i mean um the title of the book is based off a bob dylan song that is the the bob the, the song is a rainy day woman and the song is about uh, like a addiction so uh and this came actually this came about because there is a nick cave and uh, kylie minogue sold song called uh the garden where something lies i can't remember now but it's a song it's a song about uh, a, a, a murder where the guy murders the lady at the very end of the song and my thought was i would like to tell a story of a vampire that feature that that is connected to that song and eventually i got to where i'm at and that idea still exists it definitely as I tell stories of, of uh, as RDW continues, I will eventually get to the Nick Cave and Tyler Minogue so, so, song. So uh, combining, yes, it, it's different elements. And as I said, uh, the way I'm explaining it, there's one too many tangents, so it feels a little scattershot. But it's not that. It, there's a focus of a story, and there are elements that I want to bring just to enrich the story as it's being told. Oh, great, great. I want to get back to the um, feeling of being expendable. It seems like 2020 yeah. kind of is the year for expendability because, you know, yeah. we've been separated from friends, from family. Does society go on to save, you know, the few or the many that can get sick from COVID-19? Yeah. Um, and also, too, depending on what industry industry you're in, you're being told that you're not needed yeah. or that you're being totally pressed into service. If you're like a front, a frontline worker, like if you're working in a hospital, um, for example, you can mm -hmm. back out of whatever your responsibility is to the society. And I, I'm assuming that Astrid and her, her um, battalion mates are feeling the same kind of pressure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, this is the, that part, that part of the story. We will we will explore like like I will, some of it we see we see it on book two, where again I'm not spoiling uh, not spoiling a bit mostly because uh, I can give just hints at what it is because I already wrote book two. I closed sorry I closed I closed my browser therefore the light of my face is gone now, so I'm gonna open it again. All right, cool. So I have light in my face. Um, this the, the this second book actually goes a little a little further deep into that because we're still dealing with um, with uh, that theme of uh, expendability. But whereas the characters that I introduced in book one are still there and Asid's story is still relevant, and still, I would not say that it's the focus of book two. And this is something that uh, that uh, that um, Andrei Sapkowski does in his on his books, where chapter by chapter, in fact, even in book by book, you will see the focus will shift to a different character, to a different perspective. And this is something that I'm trying to do, as I tell, to, to inform the world around the the main story that exists. Uh, but in this second book. Again, uh, I'm exploring that in the form of another soldier that quit, they quit the army over uh, atrocities that they have committed. And one of the options that they have is to er erase their, their, their mind. And uh, so they get criticized 
there are specific type of um, unit in this universe. I'm not going to say what it is because that will be then a spoiler. Um, and, and they get criticized over that. They get chastised over that. But at the same time, by people that did not, by, by people that did not shun away their responsibility or, or their guilt and whatnot. And this is only from the perspective of those the, of the affected. There is a little, there's just a little bit of hint of to the people that actually are behind the scenes. So again, the war machine, or in 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 our specific case, in currently society, just the way society is uh, capitalism, the, the way it is built to just grind us and chew us out. So there, there it, it, one thing that I'm trying to do in the way that I'm telling these stories is that the books are slow picks and uh, i will actually want to uh, i wanted to put this up front and center on the first on the, the first book just on a forward is just to say uh one thing that i require to of the reader is and I, i'm i'm guess i'm guessing we're going to get to the artwork is to pay attention to visual cues in the artwork and to to get a sense that this is not a fast-paced story at all there are fast-paced moments but i want uh, there, there are several sequences where i am either showing something or i'm just showing the character doing regular things nothing else is happening but the, the person is breathing is existing or the world is existing just so you get to the world so uh as we get the, as we get further down the stories more of these elements that, that that you that you ask and that i have mentioned before more of them are come come to the fore still build up uh, slowly and until eventually we get to a, to a conclusion which still uh, i mean you mentioned the um the privileging the ones of for the detriment of the the, the greater the, the greater good and being faced with that question which is a lot of i would say a lot of the stories of that feature a good and a bad eventually put you on a situation of what decision will you make between the greater good and whatnot and since i'm trying to devil a lot of the shades of gray should we arrive at that point what would then be the decisions of the characters because uh most if not all of the, the the characters that i'm presenting i am trying to keep them true to life as in they're all flawed so we'll see what happens and the, the one thing with 2020 uh it's kind of forced us to kind of um take our foot off the gas pedal yeah so you know the kind of rat race that most of us were engaged in uh could lead to burnout so the pacing that you're talking about uh when we get into the art yeah. it's kind of perfect for not only the story you want to tell but also the kind of pace of life that we're going through right now hopefully hopefully because um i i have joked around uh, my background I, i'm not i'm i am um i'm a canadian citizen but i was not born here i was born in mozambique and uh i started reading books through bandesine through the mm. european albums and the speed the pacing compared to american comics is completely different so i have joked around mostly here in quebec that um, american comics is uh, they're, they're hamburgers they're fast food whereas uh, the bandesine the, the graphic graphic or just graphic novels in general are a good a good steak dinner so which you you can't just gobble it up so uh i mentioned this because my fear was that uh the audience is so much ready because of the way the industry is is so ready for that fast food give me that give me the immediate satisfaction that when you give to them something that is slow is boring so i was like ah, yeah that's why i'm going to put a forward in a book yeah this thing is going to be boring for you i'm sorry but um yes the much as you reference i mean when we slow we slow the pace we saw um, <laughs> 
we saw waters getting clean and 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 um, <laughs> uh, fishes appear where they, they apparently they shouldn't have appeared. We we took took in air that was more breathable than than before. So the invitation to slowing down and paying attention to the surroundings. If I can do, I mean, if I can do it right, and if the what I'm trying to do is compelling enough to have the audience pay attention. I mean, another of the references that I'm taking that I'm drinking in is Miyazaki. Mm. Most, if not all of the Miyazaki movies have lots and lots of moments of just being. And you're so enthralled in the story that you're just there. You're just part of it. So if I can uh, if I can make this compelling enough that uh, not only you want to see what's in next page, but that still the page that is in front of you where nobody else is talking and there's nobody killing anybody, but you're engaged into seeing what's going on. If you're stopping to, for that page, great achievement unlocked. And I must say, as an as an artist, fellow artist, and as well as a reader and a fan, mm -hmm. uh, your layouts have always been spectacular for me and Thank so um when you're doing spider-man and especially your winter soldier run yeah it's not something that you can just glance at right there's a distinctive flow um it's constructed and deconstructed at the same time it's yeah. almost like um a stream of consciousness visual in, in a yeah. visual manner and i've looked at some of the art that you have up on the kickstarter and yeah. you're knocking it out of the park with that same sort of visual storytelling. Uh, can you give you know, give us an example of what your thought process is in terms of yeah. how you lay out a page? Yeah, um, going back, uh, I mean, I got to this when I was at DC Comics. Uh, I think it was my first, because uh, I started with Final Crisis in which I had to do your, the widescreen uh, panel stuff because, um, I was um, I was coming in to, to fill in for what's it JJ uh, Jones, which he, he was doing the the widescreen stuff, and so that's how I got into the the big two, and uh, my first gig out of that was a book called Escape, uh, and uh, Final Final Crisis Escape. Or, yeah, yeah, it was that. It was a, a three issue miniseries, and in that there is a scene where Count Count Vertigo is going crazy. And uh, I had a lot of fun with the, with the layouts with that specific sequence. And I thought this is, this is more to, to the type of comics that I enjoy. Specifically at the time, I was reading a lot of David Mack. Um, and uh, I had started reading Promethea, which is, I got late to Promethea and immediately became one of my all-time favorite books. It's incredible. It's absolutely amazing. So um, as, I, as I moved forward at DC, I got a bunch of gigs that were, I would say, hands off with the editorial. I got, I got a book called The Shield. Uh, I did a run of 10 issues on The Shield. And on that one, it was essentially the editorial was like, no joke, nobody's buying this book, so you guys can do whatever you want. So which gave me leeway to try to make the, the layouts just a little more fun. It, my initial idea was I'd like just to, to, to make this a little more fun and um, a little more integrated with the, the story. The guy had a like a, um, a kind of an Iron Man suit, but it's not an Iron Man suit, symbiote, whatever. But it was kind of a technological suit. So I would bring a lot of electronics and whatnot to the storytelling. And as I progressed in that, I became more and more aware of the fact that I really enjoy adding a little bit extra to the panel sequencing. When I got to Marvel, uh, this is when things I would say like shifted pretty much completely. When I when I was in, when I started doing the Spider-Man books, which my idea was then to do what I thought. Uh, JJ was, uh, sorry, JH Williams was doing at Promethea and what David Mack, um, Bill Sinkavich, they would do uh, in their respective books, which is for as much as they're, they're doing, uh, bringing a lot of personality to the books, they are 
enhancing the way the story is told, the way the characters are feeling with visual cues. So being that I, I was already involved in uh, trying to invite the writer, that's right, not the writer, the, the reader into participating in the story in a way like, oh, I'm gonna do a uh, layout that is a spiral because Count Vertical is a spiral, so everybody goes in a spiral, something like that. So with Spider-Man, it was essentially, uh, how can I bring Peter Parker into the story and what he's going through, have the audience participate. And it became that. So fast forward to, to RDW, whereas uh, with Spider-Man, I mean, the excuse was he was drugged. Uh, with the Winter Soldier, the excuse was I want to do it. <laughs> I just want to do it, so yeah, whatever. And uh, yeah, there are sequences that are actually drug-induced, but most of it is just, yeah, it's just the flow. Whereas with this, with RDW, I found like I found my voice with the Winter Soldier, which was I want the reader to participate in the story in the way like to try to make the book a little interactive. I mean, if if as I said, if you look at the page in the layout and you find something there that you feel, oh, this is actually adding to what I'm seeing inside the action inside each panel this that's my objective you have interacted with the page the page the book is talking to you it's not just here is book read story you're participating in that journey so uh i am using a color palette that uh, i'm using color palettes i'm using the fact that i'm painting with acrylics that has visual texture to it uh, i mean i could have done that with digital but i actually like the texture on the paper um and trying to to bring the, the uh, to bring the, the reader into to the, to, to the experience in a way that they might also be uh, kind of sensing what's going on. it's I, I have described this in the past as if as if I'm, I'm using uh, if I'm a filmmaker I'm using good sound design and good soundtrack to enhance a scene uh, I mean while I'm not super crazy about the dark Knight, uh, I think it's the best of the, the three movies that Nolan did um, with, with, with the Joker and whatnot. But one of the reasons that it is, is that the soundtrack is, it's claustrophobic. It's great. That It's almost as if you see, you hear the drums consistently and that's a bing. Mm. Like it's, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's unnerving. So if I can, if I can make that kind of situation work in a scene, visually again I, I am if i'm successful at that achievement uh, like I, I got i got to where i was uh, to, to where uh, i was going with so specifically to i i went on a big storage just to go to answer your question <laughs> to your question normally normally what i do is assess a scene and uh like I, i'll go specifically with the scene that that we have in the kickstarter where um for the i'm gonna spoil it whatever it's in kicks it's in the previews you can just look at it but if you if you pay attention the the stream of um, of what makes panel borders comes from a closed eye yeah yeah that's a, that's and, a great page that's a great page yeah, when when as the sequence goes the colors in the borders they go from um, uh, like gold to a little darkish, to a little reddish, to a little darkish red until the eye opens and the person wakes up. So that, that, that is just, I'm just like quickly explaining that this situation, somebody's having a fever dream. Mm -hmm. It's a, essentially is that, and they wake up in huge distress. And immediately after, after waking up, when we go to the next page, you will see that um, the character has a breakdown and uh, the panel, the, the page is, uh, all, all the panel borders are made by a tree, which is the last panel of the page, signifying that now this is the real world. This is where the roots are. Right. So if why I'm taking you from the fever dream to ground reality, and reality is not as colorful reality is not as pretty 
is not as happy. In fact, reality sucks. So this is what I'm trying to do uh, visually. Throughout the story, you will see lots and lots of that. I bring the color palette a little bit as well because as I mentioned uh, some time ago, uh, I'm also dealing with, uh, the story is also dealing with potential five stages of grief. And I'm taking inspiration from um, a game called Grief where they use uh, co uh, color and visual storytelling for these five stages. And I'm kind of following that um, treatment for the book as well. And so you said that you're, you're doing it using acrylics as opposed to digital. Yes. Yes. Um, is there a reason for that? Uh, uh, I have been going uh, more and more experimental with acrylics. And as I said, uh, you can see, whereas you can emulate texture digitally and you have to make a concerted effort to emulate texture digitally, uh, you can see the texture on, uh, on, on the printed page, of course. But for me, it's much more satisfying as I'm doing it. I mean, uh, one of the things that I did on Spider-Man was there's a, there's, a, there's a sequence where Spidey's fighting venom and the carnage and i made panel borders with acrylic ink as if the symbiotes were invading the the page so all of the panels uh, i mean if you touch it there is there is something gooey around the page which you can also see in the printed book so i like that so i'm kind of trying to reproduce that in this book to a larger scale like everything is all painted so uh trees feel like trees i guess also too from an artistic point of view you're also a little bit more connected to the work um yeah. like i Absolutely. know like i know I, I love using a wacom yeah but there's something about just regular pencil graphite on paper there's yeah, just texture. a feel you're right the texture of it brings it it connects you more to what you're doing yeah yeah I mean, I have tried digital, and to be honest, it's just not for me. I really like the analog side of it. I like texture, so uh, I will be analog until I can. I guess. <laughs> Sounds great. I want to get back to something you mentioned earlier about being kind of like disconnected and yeah. not necessarily being engaged when you're trying to cope with something. Yeah, it's almost as though, like, if you're looking at how 2020 is playing out people are choosing sides or preferring to accept certain realities yeah. based on not necessarily truth and that's debatable, but it's also what makes them feel better or validates their worldview. Yes. Yes. Is Astrid and are the people that she's surrounded with dealing with those things as well too, as yes. well as coming out of their addiction? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I get super excited about all of these things, but a, a little voice in my head, like, dude, you gotta just spoil it. But, uh, yes, it, they don't, are. don't, if, don't spoil it. If yeah, you don't yes, have yes, to. They are. Um, I have, uh, so far I have the, the story written up, up for it's, uh, just like 60% of book three. And, uh, on book two we see more of it on book three we see more of it characters that are introduced on the first on the first book on book three some of their insecurities come to the fore one thing that i'm also bringing to the to the story that i'm telling is the fact that i'm mixed race and when i was growing up in mozambique uh the fact that i was mixed race was less than ideal so i heard uh, I was discriminated in a way that I wasn't black enough, nor was I white enough. And the the thing that uh, the thing that I would hear quite a bit in school was uh, uh, like a mulatto is is the word, but like mixed color has no flag. Mm. You have no flag. So I am bringing those elements and the um, the indecision that goes that that goes into the growing up with that as in but where do i belong then what am i so i am bringing those those questions to the fore as the story comes about because astrid is 
mixed race. Of course, the way I'm painting, uh, uh, the way I'm painting her, she's mixed race, as if she was a, just a random human uh, in nowadays. But she is, she has elven history, and that comes into the story uh, when she meets another character that is also like that, but has a problem with that reality, such as that she has had that very same problem in the past. So we will be dealing with that as the story goes. So the reality, the realities that we paint for ourselves to make the world better, that that comes that comes into the conversation. It's just that as it is, it does not pertain to book one. So people that are that would give, start getting super excited, you would have to wait like, like a couple of years more. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. As long as we yeah, know what's yeah. coming. That's great. Yeah. And how how has the transition been going from artist to writer? Oh, oh man, I had no idea. I am so much respect for writers. So much respect. Like, um, first, uh, I am so visual that I, I, I write on the, on the paper, on, like on the paper that I'm drawing. In fact, uh, so I have, I have a, like a 22 by 17 uh, watercolor, uh, like a thick watercolor, watercolor paper that I cut in 11 by 17, and I prepare the the borders to start uh, to start drawing. I then plot like I I have the book plot I have the book plot upwards of almost a book four. Yeah, no, no, sorry, almost a book at book five. So I plot everything out. What is it that I'm trying to say? What it, what is uh, what are the scenes that I'm going to address to to say what I want to say, and as I write, of course, all these things might or might may or may not change. So I go and all right, I'm gonna I cut five pages. This is a scene of six pages. Whatever. This is a scene, and I write headers on each page. All right. She wakes up. This is happening. Uh, commentary on that. And then I start scribbling the layout and try, trying to construct the scene <laughs> as I am I'm scribbling the layout. I'm like, oh, this is about that. So when I finally get to the layout stage, I start composing. Okay, so this is the scene, and this scene is about this. Da -da 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 -da. And then I pencil it. As I'm penciling it, oh, yeah, so these people are talking about this. This is the dialogue. Mm. And after I have a fully drawn sequence. I scan the sequence and I finally type it on the word doc. So, so <laughs> like this is this is this is the Marco Rudy way. You know how oh, it's yeah. like the Mar the Marvel method? This is the Marco no, Rudy no. method. And the thing is, <laughs> uh, because most of the time what I'm uh, I am typing for myself, when I finally showed my script to my editor, she was like I don't understand anything. <laughs> anything. And I'm like, oh, you have to look at the artwork because the, the way that I compose the script is in tandem with the artwork. And mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, Marco, but I'm not you. So when I finally go, went, went about and uh, started editing the, my script, I'm like, yeah, this script is not for anybody because I would have... Um, in fact, I did this on my Patreon, which is I, I had the unedited uh, script on Patreon and I would do behind the scenes commentary. So this is about this. This is how I built the scene. The purpose of the scene is this, the color is that, my influences are that, I'm looking at artists like this and I put it all there. But the script itself is, uh, and then she wakes up and then there's, for for minor reaction, she looks to the side. She talks to character. She does that and a uh, uh, speech bubble. And I'm uh, and I'm like, where is she? What is she? How is she? But none of that is there. So so I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, I guess my editor was right. So <laughs> so uh, I have newfound respect for writers in a way that. I cannot visualize without drawing, and I have no idea. I remember, I remember one of my co uh, co-workers, a writer, uh, telling me, "Hey, Marco, we should work together and whatnot. What do, What do you want to What do you want to draw?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like it. can draw. I, I, we can work with something about dreams." He's like, "All right, all right. Give me four hours." 
that was it. Uh, I was like, ow, ow. I, I, I took days to go on a sequence of six pages, days. And he's like, yeah, yeah give, give me four hours. I'll, I'll, come, I'll come up with something for you. So, so yeah. Um, uh, and it's my biggest test right now. After, after um, I penciled the book completely, I, uh, I sent the script. This was the unedited script. I sent to, to a bunch of writers. And interestingly enough, uh, with the exception of a couple that told that gave me actual pointers in a way of maybe you want to do this, maybe you want to do this other. Uh, I got like, like very positive response because my question was always this, uh, irrespective of the artwork, would you be interested in continuing to read the story? Are you engaged in the story to, to, to find out more? Are you curious to find out more? That's always my, my, my question because before when I only had the concept and I had like a short story, actually I even put some of the short story on Kickstarter just, just as a gift, I'm sorry, as a reward. Uh, when I just had that short story, uh, my, I, at the time I had a co-writer. He kept telling me, because he was the one that had the connection to the, the company, he kept telling me, dude, we're going to sell it on the artwork. I'm like, yeah, but what about the story? Is the story working? Because this is, this is the stuff that I have no, I mean, as an artist, you're mostly doubting yourself with every brushstroke. But uh, that, that is dab true. Yeah, dabbling into something that you haven't, that you are not confident, you're like, what am I doing here? This sucks. Everything sucks. So, so um, at the end of the day, um, I mean, after after I sent the edited, like after I received the edited script and I edited again and edited again, I am confident enough to say that it's a story. That that that's about it. If it's a good one, we will just have to find out. It's just, it exists. It's in the ether. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it comes down to whether it has heart and the audience connects to it, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, as an artist, and even just someone who reads comics, is in the industry, you take in video games and movies, it doesn't yeah. matter how sparklingly dazzling the special effects are, or even yeah. how good the performances are, if yeah. you can't connect to the actual script and the story, if there's no story there, then yeah. you've just got an hour and a half of great effects or it's a pinup yeah. book. Yeah. 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 Like you, you need, mean, you need uh, all of it. You need everything working in tandem for it to really, really gel. I mean, I'll, I'll give an example and I'll get flack over this, but um, the death of Wolverine storyline, right. It has beautiful storyline. Sorry. It has beautiful artwork. Beautiful. The story. No. Mm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, agreed. agreed. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the artwork is amazing. McNiven does a great Barry, Barry Windsor Smith. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, yeah that's, and that's, that's down to personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, I guess all of this is uh, essentially, yeah. but you are right. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the most disappointing thing as a fan is when you've yeah. got a great, you have something that could be so great yes and one element totally lets it down yes 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 i mean on on the complete opposite end i bought ages ago i bought um the cable soldier x uh two trades that are uh, is written by david tishman and without but igor Corday. and at the mm -hmm. time igor Corday had gotten so much flack over x-men right which i eventually found out that he had to work on two issues in, th in three weeks uh, so, so like it's one of those things. That's crazy. And like Igor Corday's artwork is an acquired taste. So I, I can gladly, I, I can see people saying, I don't like it. it it's ugly or whatever. If it's not. And the story is also so good. I, I, I can even give another example. The Lucifer series. The, the Mike Harris um, right. Lucifer. There is artwork in that that you would see, eh, it's just not very good. But the story is so compelling that you're like, no, this is great. The artwork is amazing. Everything is fine mm -hmm. because 
it gels so well. Yeah, so, it, it it's 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 funny how, like you said, art's subjective. You can have yeah. artists that you like. You can have tones that you like. Sometimes the pencils are great, but the yeah. anchor changes everything. Sometimes, there's also right? That. Yeah, there's yeah. also that, yeah. and that comes down to scheduling, what the deadlines are, who can yeah. they get for whatever rate. A whole bunch of things that go on behind the scenes that we don't know. But there's a saying yes. in in film that when you get a movie, it's kind of like a minor miracle anyway. I find it's the same yeah. way with comics. When you get a comic book that just hits for whatever reason, it's the timing, yeah. it's the talent that's on it, and when it's come out. And if it speaks to people, it speaks to people. Yeah. And if it doesn't, say la vie. Yeah, yeah. No, no, like, I mean, uh, like, uh, Sandy is one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah most <laughs> definitely. And so yeah. moving from writing, because like you basically took on a whole bunch of new hats you know, you're wearing a whole bunch of yeah. different new hats what was putting the kickstarter together like <laughs> it was a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> um uh i mean uh there is there i would say that uh, normally artists are renowned for their disconnection to legalese mm. and uh, i very much fit the, into into the, that category uh, I don't like to dabble into legalese at all. So it's one of those, if I have, if I have a person to do that for me, I'm like, you just do it. But on this particular case, I was being egged on by a friend uh, that has been doing Kickstarters for years now. And she, she's like, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this other. It's very simple. You just have to do it. So uh, I eventually got to doing pretty much everything that I needed to do to set the Kickstarter, to get it approved, to, to prepare it. So uh, the, again, the initial part, it was more resistance on the fact that uh, as an artist, I wanted to be doing everything else but the legalese part, which is necessary. And it's also necessary to have it all someplace that you don't just forget it. Like mm -hmm. you have it all protective, prepared, uh, uh, reachable if you need to. And then when the campaign starts and you see the first boost, you're like, uh, because the campaign was with, uh, due to, to the fact that this campaign was essentially paying me uh, the, rent, the, the time for, to paint the pages, paying shipping and uh, printing which are the, 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 which is the bulk of the campaign. I was like, this is too much money to, to ask for. And I need to reach a specific threshold on the first day that if I don't reach it, then I'm in trouble. And I didn't. So day two, it's, it's when the anxiety kicks in and I am already somebody that suffers with anxiety. So yeah. Um, the 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 the, the throughout the, the experience throughout Kickstarter of every day going and checking and then I had to like I was moving in that period and I had a personal problem that happened as well so all of that combined I was my brain was completely frazzled so much so that uh, when when I I finally got the funds at the campaign my reaction was oh. <laughs> that was that. That just was relief, that. relief yeah. almost, right? Yeah. Not even that. I think I got relief. Like the relief was like a week after or something. And, right. I, and I'm still kind of reeling from it. Still, uh, almost like in shock. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My reaction was, oh, and uh, my girlfriend's like, oh yeah, man, congratulations. And her folks like, yeah, we should, we should celebrate. And I'm like, oh, the campaign is not over. People can re remove their pledges. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, mm -mm, only into the fat lady sings. So <laughs> the campaign, the campaign ends, and uh, it's like you, you, you're all, uh, allowed to breathe, but you're so buzzed with the anxiety and whatnot that it's still, if you're still like, yeah, man. I think, I think it only dawned on me when, because the campaign ended on a Friday, and I started, uh, I took the weekend just to rest. So on Monday, I, I started painting again. It was then that I was like, okay, yeah, the campaign is funded. I now have, I have scheduled all my time. 
until this book comes or at least at least until I have all the pages done and I have everything prepared to to send to editorial to send to the guy that's going to be doing the the book treatment so we can then send it to the printer so right. uh, this is planned out i i get to do this so let's do it but the 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 period of waiting and uh doubting yourself and uh everything that goes in between dur during the kickstarter camp, especially for the first time and um for me a lot of things came into play because uh i have uh, uh, I would like going going on, so on social media. I've noticed I have noticed this from other creators, so I think that it's fairly common in um, with artists. I would say I would say with writers as well, which is imposter syndrome, it, and the uh, and uh, the feeling that uh, like you you just pulling shit out of your ass. You you don't belong. You know. Right. So right. I've always had that, and. In that period, I'm like, like I'm, I'm throwing this thing that uh, it's the first time that I did it, or the first time that I'm doing. So, just the doubt that creeps in, it's crippling. So, after the campaign is done and you take, you finally sigh, like, oh. And the good thing, at least for me, was that rather than going on euphoria, or at the same time going on the like the panic oh my god now i have to do it it was more like all right let's do the thing so it's it's been it's been kind of like back to business doing doing what i have to do uh i have a, a schedule of one page a week and i am following that schedule just that well, that's great that's great yeah. it's 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 amazing how many different parts there are to making a comic book and then also the business side of it. Yeah, like uh, uh, somebody ages ago had mentioned that uh, uh, if you if you put out an idea, like you put it on an email, send it to somebody, or if you put it like, the, like online an idea, that idea is copyrighted to yours. I'm like, to you, I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, no, you have to go to register copyright. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh I, I didn't know that. So, um, and initially, the the title for this was of lost fantasy, and uh, and I found the, like a I think it was like a, a Korean game that is called right. Uh, so sorry, the, the, it was just lost fantasy. Yeah, it was just lost fantasy, and I found like a Korean game that is lost fantasy. I'm like. Okay, I can call it off lost uh, fantasy, but uh, once I found the one, once I found like the song behind it, I'm like, you know what? It is the because I would then tell other stories in that of lost fan a tale of lost fantasy subtitle. I'm like, all right, I can have title, and the subtitle is the continuing series. Should I? Should I then migrate from okay, Astrid's story is done. I can tell some some other character's story or something else under the same a tale of lost fantasy. So that that is not that is not copyrighted to me. So I'm like I cool. So I, I just these are just minor minor little things that um, it's from the business side. That as I'm saying this, people listening are like, yeah, of course. To which I say, yeah, of course. After I heard it, oh, for sure. For sure, because, the, because before I was like, I'm, yeah. The, the night, the nightmare of a title search sometimes can totally derail a project because yeah. the title may be completely germane to whatever the MacGuffin is or whatever is central to your story. Yeah, and then you realize, oh, I can't use that. Yeah, and so how do you change the entire concept? Because you need a new title. It's it's maddening sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You you want to tell you you want to tell a story that that revolves around the matrix of a DNA. And you decide to call your book the matrix. <laughs> nope. Nope. Can't do it. Somebody somebody beat us to it. How'd that happen? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and speaking of the Kickstarter, yeah, I also noticed you have some cool incentives that were part yeah. of the um part of the the um. That's what I'm looking for. Part of the, the reward tiers. The reward tiers, exactly. Yeah. Can you give us an example of what people can expect based on what uh, tiers were achieved? 
yeah, I uh, I put my I put myself into serious trouble with the tears there because my uh, I was serious trouble in a way that uh, there's a chance of overworking myself when the book is printed <laughs> before I, before <laughs> before shipping out because I had um, an early bird catch which was initially for just twenty books which was you get you get like thirty bucks you thirty Canadian uh, dollars. And uh, you would get the hardcover edition of the book with a sketch in. And I'm like, yeah, fine. And then afterwards, a lot of people asked for more, like lots. Mm. So I'm like, I, I put it to, to 40 people. And I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then um, I had a, another tier that was uh, these are the, just the ones that are well artwork. There was another one that, it, that I had. Uh, a $150, um, it was $150 uh, tier where I had a uh, 9x12 sketch, uh, painting sketch, which same deal. I, I think it was initially just 10 and people asked for more. So I think I, I, I opted to 20. And for, for the people that asked more, I actually opened the tier and made a point of saying, this will take longer because right. I need to prioritize the things that need that I need to ship immediately, that need to be done immediately. If people can be patient to wait just a few months longer, so I can actually commit to these things and finally, finally send them. Yeah, sure, you you get your book with your sketch. The good thing is everybody that gets the um, uh, after the, the after the the twenty dollar pledge, everybody that gets whatever they pledged for will get the digital edition first immediately. Great. Uh, immediately, as as the the, the it's it's made available. Um, I will, I also had original artwork for the, the short story that I had there, uh, but essentially is some version of the hardcover edition of the book. Uh, sometimes with uh, some um, behind the scenes commentary on the script, on scene construction, layout dis layout disposition, color color ch choice references with uh, a bunch of uh, artists that uh, generously decided to help out with the campaign. So we, we would have at least, at least no, we'll have 10 different pinups there from oh, that's great. Uh, top, top tier uh, people from the industry. I mean, if I say top tier people, it, it just remains that. So artists like uh, Margaret Sauvage, uh, Bengal, uh, uh, Nick Bracho, so, and more. Yeah, a great, a great lineup. And they're going to be doing renditions of the characters from. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. or just whatever, whatever it is that they like about the setting. Right. Uh, so I'll, I'll, that's that's basically one of the things that uh, I people should look for. I guess they'll look for the book. There's a bunch of bunch of artists there that will be doing pinups. So that that's that's a good highlight. <laughs> great, great. Well. Uh, Marco, I have to say this was a, a pleasure talking to today and uh, catching up on on your Kickstarter and, and RDW. I'm mm -hmm. totally looking forward to it. Where can fans get more information and search and find and things about you on social media and stuff? Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, Marco Rudy, R-U-D-Y, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, I have a... Like, I have the usual art station, uh, DeviantArt, but to be honest, the last time I like actually the last time I updated the DeviantArt was because of Kickstarter, so it's fairly recent. But before that, it had been <laughs> a good eight months, so I haven't been posting a lot. But you can find the tra trajectory of the of my artwork on specifically on DeviantArt because you can pretty much see how I started and how it starts to change. And if you Google me, Marco Rudy, you will find uh, the, the DeviantArt because it's not under my name. It's a, it's a name that I got from Mozambican folklore. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you can find me, Marco Rudy, anywhere, everywhere. And I, I have been doing snippets of the, uh, of the pages that I'm like showing the process and whatnot on social media. Uh, so anybody that is curious as to how that is coming about, just follow me on social media. You'll find that. All right, great. Well, that's awesome. And uh, thanks again for joining us in the asylum. Thanks for and, having um, me. Best of luck moving forward. And we're going to be keeping track of uh, the progress for RDW. Thank you so very much.
All right. You take care. All right. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. And once again, a special thank you to Marco Rudy. We look forward to your comments, so reach out to us on Facebook and at Comics Asylum on Instagram and Twitter.